Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Authentic Podcast with Justin Doulard. And thank you for tuning in to another episode. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Another genuine conversation with a unique individual. It's time! All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Authentic Podcast. I got Mr. Smiling Sam Alvey with me, a current light heavyweight fighter in the UFC. This man's got over 40 professional fights, 20 of them in the UFC. Sam, thank you for joining me, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, sir. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. So, uh, you know, I, I guess we'll start off by this. Uh, you know, my wife actually stumbled across your profile because we, we've seen you fight a couple of times, but she was the one who found have found your Instagram and, you know, your profile just kind of caught my eye. It said, you know, anyone who asks for a podcast interview, you did it. So I have to ask you first off, you know, why do you do that? And, and you know, thank you for doing it as well. So. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. One, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for people that, that, liked watching me fight and i found the more i can talk to people the more they like to watch me fight and the more i can give back even if it's just a little bit you know going on a podcast um and two there's gonna come a time in my life when nobody wants to interview me it's gonna come a time when i'm just gonna be some other guy sitting on the couch yelling at the tv uh so I, I'm going to get every, every second I can out of this. I'm, I'm going to take full advantage of my of my career and that that people like to talk to me that's good stuff, man. Well, like I said, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I like that. So um, you seem like a charismatic guy and someone who, you know, obviously respects this, the sport and the fans. So that's neat. Um, I did listen to a couple of your shows that you did just to kind of learn a little more about you and kind of see what, what other people were asking you. And, I, you know, I took some notes. And the first thing I wanted to ask you, uh, it was fourth and long, the show you did. And you talked about, uh, you know, how the judges are, are – kind of poor in the UFC and that's a pretty common topic and um, kind of play into that question. Your last fight was a draw, which I, you know, just as a sports fan, I think draws are ridiculous. Um, I, you know, I think there should be some type of overtime or something, whatever that may be, which could be hard in the fight world, but talk a little bit about, about your draw and kind of the bad judging. Yeah. J- judging. It's just atrocious. If at this point going into a decision nobody has any idea what they're going to expect nobody has any idea what the judges are going to say because the judges seem to just make it up as they go uh as far as my draw going into the decision i knew i had won i knew i had won the first two rounds pretty solidly and i lost the third round but it was competitive it wasn't a blowout like one of the judges said it was um and it's just it's such a it's going to tarnish what the sport is. I mean, it has in boxing. Boxing is a joke. Most people say, oh, the judging is terrible. The judging, you know, the, the, the judges get paid off. They don't know what they're doing. And UFC is, I don't think they're getting paid off, but I don't think they know what they're doing. I don't think they know. And I don't know if it's their fault or if the judging criteria is so vague or so strict, maybe, I, I, that, that they can't use their own common sense to decide who wins a fight or who wins a round. 
uh, that they start overthinking it. Uh, I mean, for, for my, the way it's explained to us is every round is, uh, is judged by itself. What happens in round one has no influence over what happens in round two. But now they're saying you'll get a 10-8 if round three is more dominant than round one is. So then you have to go back and rescore stuff. It's just it's it's kind of embarrassing that that the judges can get it wrong so often. Where you say they say this, they say that. Who who's telling you this, and where do you learn that? That's a good question. I it's I don't know. I don't remember at this point. I've been told by so many different people, so many different places. I'm sure it has happened at my fight. I'm sure it's been at other amateur fights it's been at professional fights that i had nothing to do with i it's one of the things you hear a little bit from everywhere from everyone uh i was i was actually uh, scoring a fight with a bunch of ufc current ufc fighters and past ufc fighters where the the scoring senate it was called and it's where that an outside source uh pays for us to watch the the card and then we just judge it and put everything on twitter and it, it was it was really fun and i got to do it with frank trigg who, who was a ufc fighter and is um currently a ufc referee uh and he was going over what a 108 is and i'd argue with anyone that 108 has no it should never be or should almost never be in a ufc fight but he was explaining what the criteria was and what the criteria he explained was, was different from how my, my fight was judged. Um, so w- whatever this criteria is, it changes from person to person. I know there's no quick answer or no quick fix. And I think on fourth and long, you kind of talked about it, but what can that, what can the UFC do to improve on judges? It, one, I like the idea of being able to fire judges. As far as I can tell, no judge can be fired right now. Uh, it's kind of, it's a government job is what it is, and they're, oh, they're usually pretty safe. Um, but I've heard another idea. Uh, and I, who was Somebody told me, but they heard it from Joe Rogan, and I just love the idea. And it's just hire more judges. Right now they have three judges to judge a fight. Hire 15 or 8 or 10. Just hire a bunch of judges and uh th- take the majority to get the win oh the the scoring senate we did it was there was about 13 or 14 of us and uh, every fight we all kind of got roughly the same answers but every now and then there'd be a fight where 10 of us would say the first person won uh two of us would say the second person won and then one person would say it was a draw um but you go with the majority draws the majority of the people saw it one way and i think it'd be much more difficult to have uh you know, even five people screw up a fight card as opposed over three. So question with that, uh, some of John Jones's fights have been pretty controversial. Of course, he was the champion when he fought them. And, you know, they, they say you got to take the champion down to beat the champ or to get the belt. But uh, some of his fights were arguably – a lot of people think he lost some of those to um, – Dom Reyes, he definitely lost to. Yeah, Dom uh, Reyes. Tiago – Santos, that was a close fight, you could argue. Gustafson, number one, I thought Gustafson won. Um, you, you go down the list, he, he's got a lot, of, a lot of very unpopular decision victories. And uh, it's unfortunate. I, if the judging was better or more reliable, you'd, be, you'd really be more, uh, more sure that, that he, the champion is the champion. Do you think live scoring would, would help at all? Or do you think that's just kind of like a, you know, a small step, but not nothing, no major change really? 
You know, I, I don't know yet. I'd have to see more fights. I, I've seen one LFA that does live scoring. I think they're in Kansas uh, or Oklahoma. One of the two d- does live scoring. And it was fun to see. I don't know if it affects I, – I don't know yet. Um, you're told at the end of the round, so there's very little time that you get to process if you won or lost. Um, so I, I would like to see more. I'd like to see it play out a little bit more. Do you ever go back and watch the tape? And, you know, because a lot of fighters, you know, I, f- I feel like they have this mentality, you know, you, you, you're live, you're in it, you're like, I think I won that fight. Even, you know, you, you ever go back and you're like, okay, maybe I didn't win. I, you know, I just thought I had it and I go back in there. Or you, you pretty much always, once you think you won it, you, you know, you, it's hard to change your mind. Uh, I've n- I don't think I've ever changed my mind going back, thinking I've won, going back and seeing I've lost, or thinking I've lost and gone back and watched and think I've, one how am i saying <laughs> so t- try two fights ago i fought ryan span in the octagon i thought you know what that was a close fight that that was man a split decision loss that was close uh then i went back and watched it and i thought wow i, I won this fight so i've gone that way i've gone from not really being sure maybe thinking i lost to going back and say wow i was I, maybe i did win that fight uh, but I don't think I've ever gone from, yeah, I won that fight to going back and watching and thinking, eh, maybe not. So your last fight was in Abu Dhabi. Um, you talked a little bit about that on fourth and long, uh, was just going to ask you, do you got any current fights for 2021 or got any, anybody in mind, anything in, in the works? I've got nothing in the works, but I've got two people I'd love to fight. Uh, one is Jack Marshman. He, he's coming off a little bit of a skid like I am. Uh, I'm going back down to middleweight, so I'll, I'll meet him in middleweight, and we, we could have just a hell of a fight together. Uh, then there's another guy who's kind of sort of a buddy of mine, and I've always said I like fighting my friends, uh, Mike Perry. Um, he, I think he, I've heard rumor that he's going up to 85, and I'm going down to 85, and he's coming off two-fight loss. I'm coming off a few – well, coming off a draw. Uh, so, so I think that would be another fun fight. Um, and and I, th- I think both of those fights would be, would be – uh, I think I'd win them both, but I think the fans would win, would, would win the most. So you'd go down to 185 and Mike Perry would go up to 185? Yeah, I think because he missed weight by five pounds his last fight. And I heard him say that he's going to go up, but that doesn't mean he's going to go up. So if he's going up, I would love to welcome him to the division. Otherwise, J- Jack Marshman, he's a stud. Uh, I wanted to fight him a bunch of years ago. It just didn't work out that way. And I think now might be a good time. So I feel like a lot of today, so I've only been a fan follow the UFC for about four years. So I'm still newer per se, maybe three, three good ones. But it seems like nowadays, a lot of the fights, uh, they get made on Twitter or Instagram or at a press conference, you know, but you're more of a, you know, you're more of a respectful guy, more of a martial artist and, and not, you know, not much of a trash talker and whatnot. So how do your matches get made? How, how does a match uh, get made for someone who's not out talking shit all the time? So I'm one of the guys, after a fight, when I win, and it's been a minute since I've had the opportunity, but they give you a microphone. And everybody always wastes that opportunity thanking the people they love and thanking my team and thanking this. When I get that microphone, I call out who I want. I do something to make someone remember me. I think I was in Florida, and I started to say, your oranges are fantastic. Whatever comes to mind, I spend every second on that microphone trying to get people to remember me, to like me, to get something I want. Um, and so I've had a few, quite a few fights 
uh, work out that way where I'll get that microphone call at the guy I want to fight and then get them the next one. Uh, now I haven't had that microphone in a minute, so um, uh, it, it's going to get a little more, little more up to the UFC as to who I fight, but wh whoever they offer me, I've, I've never said no. So I, I think uh, that they'll offer me someone and, and I'll, I'll accept. You, you fought in Florida, one of the first cards that was during quarantine. Is that correct? With no fans? I was the first fight uh, of the, the new world. Uh, all sports closed down. You were the first one? I was the first fight. It's the, in over 70 fights, I've never been the, the first fight on a card. And so I, I was the first fight in that card. And I like to say I opened up the world's economy. Okay, I thought so because I remember things about people in random different ways, you know. And I remember watching that fight. And the thing, the, the way I remembered you is, you know, you were coming out of the arena and there's zero fans and you were like waving to the stadium and nobody was there. You were just cheesing and smiling, fake waving at the crowd. And I, I will always remember that. Yeah, no, that was me. And it was funny as years and years ago when I was out in Mandalay Bay where there was nobody around. Um, and so I did the same thing then too. And I got a, a good response out of that as well. Uh, so, so I've actually gotten to do it with people. People remember that. That's awesome. Um, I got, I, I did ask some, some friends, some questions. So I'm going to kind of pop those in here if you don't mind, uh, you know, just so we can get those. Um, you fought in, you know, four or five professional promotions and, you know, UFC is kind of the pinnacle of those, but you got a lot of big name fighters who are, you know, they say testing free agency and they're leaving and, and going to other promotions like, uh, you know, bare knuckle Bellator PFL, uh, you know, what, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that is a viable option or do you think UFC is the pinnacle? And uh, by far the UFC is the pinnacle uh, that there's not even really close second. It is where the best in the world go. However, I love the PFL. I love how, what Bellator is doing. They're trying their best to challenge the UFC, which is raising our pay, which is raising the pay across the board. The PFL is now good. They've got a million-dollar tournament. They've got a – if you win, I think it's three fights or four fights, you win a million dollars. And that's, that's unheard of outside of championship, you know, Conor McGregor-type fights in the, in the UFC. So that, that, that's huge. Uh, so I could see some UFC fighters going to the PFL just because they have the opportunity to win a million where they'd have to win seven fights in the UFC to get to a million. Uh, Bellator, they're, they're, I say stealing, they're acquiring some, some great talent, some really enjoyable talent. Um, and it's, it's a ton of fun watching them. Uh, the UFC guys move over there and vice versa. I like it when Bellator moves to UFC too. But it, that the free market of competition is just really increasing the, the wages of everyone. Uh, 1FC is in the conversation, too. They've got arguably the greatest uh, 125-er to ever live uh, in Mighty Mouse. Uh, it, it's just it's a wonderful world of fighting that we're in right now. Yeah, good stuff. Um, kind of follow-up question with that. How, how does one get on the UFC roster – you know, what, what do you got to do to get there? And then for a guy like you, how, how have you stayed so long? I mean, 20 fights in and still going. So, you know, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I'll, how I got on it, they, they always say there's two things you have to do to get into the UFC. You have to win and you have to finish. 
if you can do those two things, the UFC will look at you. And I always had a good time doing that. I have, I, I won a lot of fights. I think it was 21 wins and three or four losses when I finally got in. Um, so I, I had a lot of them. Um, and then I had a lot of finishes. I, I'm just about to get my 20th knockout. Uh, and I've got three or four submissions and I've got some pretty dominant performances in there. Uh, so those are the two big ones. As far as, far as staying, uh, I've got entertaining fights. I, I, every now and then, you know, the Elias Theodore one pops out where I'll have just a boring fight, but everyone does. Most of my fights are entertaining, but then I, I, I do go that extra way. Like you were saying, you remember me waving to fans that weren't there. That's something people like that. Uh, and I, I love it too. It's goofy. It's, it's who I am, but people remember that, um, that there are, there are some fighters in the UFC that have close to as many fights as me, but are not as, as memorable. Just, I, I'm, I'm a big kind of chubby ginger redhead who smiles a lot. I stand out a bit. I, I think that's helped. How long do you think you plan on staying in the UFC? Like, you know, if it was up to you, you know, you got three more years, four more years. If it's up to me, I'll have ten more years in the UFC. I, mean, I, I I'm, yeah. My 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 head coach Dan Henderson fought in the UFC till he was forty five, I believe, or forty four. <laughs> so I'd like to be forty five in a day. Uh, I, I would let that. That's when I'd like to retire. I I love what I do. I I love who I do it with, and uh, it, it pays well. Um, I I get to. I always say that the the best thing about being a fighter is I, I never have to wear shoes. I <laughs> I, I am. I am barefoot 98% of the day, every day. Yeah, I remember hearing that on, I think, the, the fourth and long show when you said, you know, you no shoes at the house, then you'll put on some slides to get to the gym yeah. and just take them right off. So, Yeah, I, I've got slippers that, that I, I wear from my door to the truck, and then I take them <laughs> off as I drive, and then I take them from the truck to the gym, and then I take them off when I'm in the gym. I, and that that is – it's just the greatest greatest freedom in the world that I can do that and. The older I get, the more I realize that there aren't many of us that can do that. Yeah, absolutely, man. So you seem to appreciate the sport and fighting and, and, you know, being able to do it for a profession. What would you say is the greatest lesson that you have learned from fighting? This was another question I had. Oh, the greatest lesson to, that I've learned from fighting. Um, the, the fans, the fans only like you as much as your last fight. Uh, so that they'll, they'll turn on you quick. <laughs> you'll get, you'll get the, the diehard ones that love you from the beginning and they, they do, but you'll go from, Oh my God, you're great, Sam. to Oh my God, you're the worst thing that's ever been uh, real quick. And it's, it's as long as they're talking about you, it's, it's, it's good. So, you know, there's no, no bad news or what, what's the saying? Uh, any news is good news. Uh, and it's, as long as they're talking about you, it's great. But, uh, the the sport is really a, a lot of a lot of fans will love you as you're winning. Yeah, the, they always have that famous quote. So, you know, what what have you done for me lately? Yes, in, in the sport. Yeah. So that's uh, it. Let's see. Okay, got a big one coming up for the light heavyweight belt. Izzy versus Jan. You got any predictions on that? Yeah, I'm taking Izzy. Normally, I I would have taken Jones. Uh, if it was still Jones, but I'm going to take Izzy. Uh, Jan is great. I, I, he's very talented. He hits really hard, and he's bigger than Izzy, but he's kind of slow. He kind of tires out in the later rounds. Uh, his striking is a little, uh, a little predictable, and Izzy's fast. He's not. I don't think he's as fast as Anderson Silva was, but he's quicker than most of the roster is right now. 
and I, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna find his shots and, and beat uh, again. Yeah. Maybe even finish in the later rounds. Did his performance against uh, Paulo Costa surprise you, or did did you see that one coming? Uh, his performance didn't, but Paulo Costa, his performance surprised me. All these guys that uh, you have Romero and followed by Acosta that are just world beaters, and then they come out and they stand it and stare at him. So, well, you're going to get beat if you stand and stare at him. Uh, so I, I, it was what the second round he was finished in, or the third round. I spent the whole fight trying to figure out what what Costa's uh, plan was, and I still don't know what his plan was. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously easy for me to say as I'm, you know, a catch quarterback here, but I uh, I thought it was disappointing as well in Costa and uh, Yo Romero because, like you said, they they just you know they look like Tarzan, but you know they kind of showed up like Jane against Izzy. So yeah, it, it was it was really a weird fight. Uh, let's see. Would you say so? You've been in 20, 20 fights UFC, over forty professional. Was it over forty or forty nine professional fights? Uh, gosh, uh, it's, shoot! What am I? Thirty three, fourteen, and three, whatever that is. And then I've got seven professional Muay Thai fights as well. Oh, okay. So in, you know a lot. Would you say your training regimen is is the physical part of it harder or the mental harder part of it harder? Uh the physical part's far harder. I, I'm. I might be rare in that I, I never had that physical thing with me with fighting. It's all, for me, it was always just a fight. I didn't mean to be a fighter. I meant to go out there and have a good time, and then they just kept paying me, and then the UFC's in there paying me. It was always just a good time for me. Um, it's still a great time. I, I love doing it, so I never, I never get nervous before a fight. I never get the jitters. I, I never really get any of that. I just kind of go out there and, and perform like I know I'm, I, I can. Um, the older I get, it's definitely harder to, to get my two or three workouts a day in. I still get them in there, but it's, you know, as I get older, it's, it's, it's more difficult to, to stay in the gym as much as I do. What are your, if you have any pre-fight rituals that are kind of like your musts? Uh, I always say a prayer with my team and whoever else is in the locker room. I, when I was in South Dakota, uh, I, every fight I always ask, hey, anyone in the locker room, I'm going to say prayer, team prayer. Y'all are welcome to it. Sometimes I'll get some guys, sometimes I won't. It's always a good time. In South Dakota, I'll bet you I had 35 people in this prayer circle with me. Uh, just everyone from like every locker room came in and circled. I was like, ooh. I, I, I was more nervous about saying a good prayer than I was. For the, like, oh, there's a lot of people into <laughs> this. Um, so that's always a, a big one. I always stretch out with my wife. I always warm up uh, you know, my body with, with her. Uh, stretching me and you know uh, a gentle massage there um and, and that's really about it I, i'll hit some mitts i'll, I'll kind of just break a light sweat and just enjoy the moment while i'm back there and that's awesome that's good stuff and you said uh, you know correct me if I'm, i misunderstood but you hadn't even watched mixed martial arts and then you turned it on and then you said i want to do this is that is that kind of how you came in no not quite i'd never watched mixed martial arts and then i started doing it and it was probably two or three years of doing it before I started watching it. Uh, oh, okay. So you were doing it, but you didn't watch. Yeah. I, I was probably six and one or seven and one as a professional before I ever knew the UFC was a thing. Um, I, yeah. So that would have been 11 or 12 fights between amateur and pro that I had done before, before I knew the UFC was even out there. Uh, I just did it. I really just enjoyed doing it. It was fun to do. I got, got, uh, got to work out, got to practice. Um, and then I got to, I got to make a couple hundred dollars to fight. 
So when you initially joined and did it, you, you weren't intending to make it as a career or you, or you did see it as a career from day one? No, I had no intention of doing it as a career. Um, yeah, I, I was, I was just a redneck, uh, <laughs> redneck Pol- Polak from, uh, from Wisconsin. I, I just thought I was tough and I, I was a band nerd growing up. Uh, I never did Taekwondo or I, I kind of wrestled a little bit. Uh, I never did karate, never watched boxing. To this day, I've only seen two boxing fights. Both of them were Mayweather. Yeah. First, uh, Mayweather versus Connor. And uh, who's the other one Mayweather fought? That it might, might just be that one. Um, so I, I, I never was, never grew up at the fighting realm. Um, and I, I just enjoyed doing it. Kind, kind of made it up as I went. And then uh, eventually the paycheck started getting a little bigger just big enough for me not to need a real job. And uh, I eventually learned about the UFC and then said, yo, let's, let's do that. It was my, my wife and I said, yeah, let's do that. I'll get in the UFC and we'll make a living that way. I said, oh, okay. And then and it worked out eventually. A lot of blood, sweat and tears later, but I got there. That's great stuff, man. I know you, uh, I follow your Instagram obviously. And you were talking about the Jake Paul stuff earlier. Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, do you think how do you think he would fare against Conor McGregor cuz he's calling him out currently whether oh, it happens or not but yeah he'd get slept immediately uh, as fast as Conor wanted to end it Conor would end it even though there's a big size difference Jake is significantly bigger than Conor uh, I don't think it would be difficult for Conor to to finish him in the first round if he wanted to what do you think uh or who do you think is going to win out of the rematch Dustin Poirier versus Conor Oh, um, I think, come on, uh, you know, if you asked me a year ago, I would have said Poye. Um, but now that it's coming up, it's I, I, Poye lost his title. And when people lose their titles, they tend to lose. Uh, Connor has been gone. He hasn't had a title in a while. So the, I'm kind of leaning towards Connor this time. And that's over in Abu Dhabi. Did you enjoy your time in uh, in Abu Dhabi? I know you kind of said that you know you're in quarantine, so you didn't get to do a lot. But you know, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a beautiful place. It was a beautiful beach. The UFC spared no expense, making us as comfortable as possible, and it, it really was a, g- a good time over there. How was that flight, man? What was it 14, 15 hours? Yeah, but the UFC put us up first class, uh, so we got to lay down, stretch out, watch TV. Uh, it, it was really comfortable for me. Not not so comfortable for my corners. We're stuck in coach, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I've taken a. I think the longest flight I took was thirteen hours uh, from Georgia to Ireland, and that's brutal. I was in coach too, so you know, I was I was like your corners. So, <laughs> uh, I've let's see, okay. a couple flights to New Zealand and Australia. So I've had a couple long flights where I was flying coach, and uh, I may never go back. Uh, first class is something else. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. Okay, another couple of good questions. You can fight anyone from history. Who is it and why? It's kind of a – I don't know if you're a fight club guy. It sounds like a fight club question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who would it be? I always wanted to fight Michael Bisbing. It's recent history. I, I was always an admirer of his fighting style. He, he and I are completely different. Uh, but I've always wanted to fight him. And then he retired. You know, he retired after his title run. But uh, I, I would have I liked to have fight, fought him. Man, I love Michael Bisman. He is so funny. Cracks me up. Oh, he's, he's just wonderful. 
So how is your cut to light or excuse me from light heavyweight to 185? Is that, is that pretty tough on you or? Uh, yeah, I, I, I walk around 220, 230, somewhere in there during camp. I'll diet back down. And then the week of it's usually between 15 and 20 pounds. Uh, the final cut, I try and keep it under 10 pounds, but they, it always sucks. It's always rough. So you, you cut down and, and you're going to go back to 185. That's correct. Yeah. Can't win a damn fight at 205. I gotta, gotta do something. What do you, what do you think has been, you know, you said you're kind of on a skid. I know it was, I think it was four and then you had the draw or, well, you know, maybe a win, but they, they gave you a draw, the bad judges. So, you know, have you changed anything up or was, you know, uh, the big thing I'm going to change, I'm going to, I'm going to go back down to, to, uh, 185. I, I just, I, I don't know what I have to do to win. I, I won this last fight and they, the best they could do is give me a draw. Uh, what I, I think the incompetence of the judges might have the guys I'm fighting are bigger than me. So they're saying, well, that guy's bigger. He probably won. Uh, and I, I, I'm going to try, I, I need to win my next fight. I need to, if I want to have any career left with the UFC, I, I need to win it. Um, and so that that's the plan is I, I'm going to drop back down. I'm going to win my fight and then keep, keep going at 85. Who's your, who's your dream matchup, whether it be 205, 185, you know, it's like, Hey Sam, you got one last fight in you. You can pick anybody on the roster. Who's it going to be? It's whoever the champion is. G- give me a, give me a title shot. That'll be the dream. I don't care who, who it is that has a title, but, uh, but get, get me in that title fight. I, I'm the most dangerous man in the world. If you give me five rounds. I like it. Who would you say has hit you the hardest in your career? Dan Henderson. <laughs> the coach? Hey, there, there's not a close second. That's awesome. Uh, you know, a lot of these are cliche questions, but, I, I, you know, I did post and had people ask, but would you rather have a, a face pinch or a leg kick? Uh, would which I is, rather punched in the face or kicked in the leg? Which is worse, a, a punch in the face or a good leg kick? Uh, punch in the face is worse. Uh, no, nothing really hurts till the next day, but the face punch will take you out right then. It'll, it'll drop you. Hey, I, I meant to ask you, I saw that video you put on your Instagram about a day or two ago where you cracked your jawline right by the tooth. Yeah. That was practice. Yeah, that was Sean and I, we weren't even going all that hard. He just threw like a little teep kick and it just kind of hit me. Didn't hurt at all. Just nothing. I, I went and I sat on the, it's like, Oh, I waved him off. Waved him. immediately. I knew what happened. I went and sat down. I took my mouth guard out. So, so I went to the went to the bathroom. Uh, Sean at the time, are you okay? Why? I didn't mean. I said no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. So I went to the bathroom. I t- took the mouth guard out. I spit out just a bunch of blood. You could see my teeth would just split. It's like ah. So I yelled out, "Brit, we have to go to the doctor." <laughs> went to the. We went to a dentist, and they took an X-ray and said, "Yeah, it's broken." And said we we gotta wire it shut. I said, "Oh, okay." And so we, we wired it shut, and that was, that was that. How long does it take to recover from something like that? Because that, that wasn't recently, right? That was quite a, quite a yeah, while back. It was back. five years ago from yesterday or two days ago. So it was over five years ago now. Uh, it, my mouth was wired shut for um, six weeks, and it was just a miserable six weeks. And then after that, it was um, – they, they said it takes a year for it to be recovered 99%. Um, and so it was, I think I fought four or five months later against Elias Theodoro, but it, it was, it was just miserable. Wow. I feel fat and thin at the same time. 
It, it, was, it was stupid because I, you really could only, you need to get the calories in because you're always hungry, uh, but you can't eat anything. So it was all kind of soup or ice cream. Yeah, that's rough, man. Um, good question here. Would you ever consider going to the WWE if it made you more or quite a bit more money than the UFC? I would go to the WWE if I made less money. Uh, <laughs> nice. That that would be my dream. That's what got me into fighting to begin with. I never watched uh, fighting, but I loved the WWE. Loved it. Oh, man, that, that's what got me working out in the beginning. I used to do push-ups during the commercial break, and I could do five push-ups, and then I could do seven push-ups, then I could do 20 push-ups, then I could do 150 push-ups, and it was just push-ups, push-ups, and I did it in the commercial breaks. Uh, my buddies and I, we, we all – wrestled in the backyard and we, we just had so much fun at that i i would i would it, it is a dream of mine to make it to wwe are you gonna try and reach out to him i mean i you, you know you tried out for american idol so uh not not american idol uh the voice the voice, the voice my bad I, I i i will reach out to him i just i gotta win a fight again first yeah that's funny uh well good luck man that's uh i didn't know you were such a big fan that's a good question i'm glad that got asked so um i think this is the last one i had who is a woman you would not want to fight cyborg oh, <laughs> yeah good answer oh it's either cyborg or my wife i'd lose to both of them uh, <laughs> yeah that's good stuff let me see um oh yeah and I, I did want to touch on that the voice that you know i saw you said you're a big 90s country fan uh and you sang some garth brooks on the voice were you being serious with that or was that just kind oh, of a yeah. fun bucket list oh no i tried i tried out i think this is the second time uh, i i am great at karaoke are you I, really? I'm near, uh, yeah i'm nowhere near good enough to be uh, a professional singer but uh i've got the ufc behind my name sometimes that's enough to get you on the door and get me in the get me on tv so are you going to give it another try? I, every chance I can try out. I, I, you know what? I've tried out three times, actually. I went one time in person and the two times over the internet. Um, so, yeah, and all three times they said, nope, not today. So said, okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe tomorrow. <laughs> are you uh, an American Idol fan or have you ever watched American Idol? Or? I loved American Idol. I was crazy about it growing up. My mom and I, we'd, al we'd always watch it. Um, and, and it's I haven't watched it in a few years, but we used to watch it just religiously. Do you know Carrie Underwood? No, I don't know. I know of her. Well, know of her. Yeah, she went. She went to my college. So. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's Maybe like she's older. Yeah. A little bit older. Okay. Yeah, I'm 30. I think she's probably like 35, 36, maybe a little older, but you know, five to six years older. But yeah, she's from. I'm from a small town in Oklahoma, and she's also from a small town about 30 minutes away. So. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I vaguely remember uh, her, you know, living in my hometown and when she tried out for that and then obviously, you know, blew up to what she is now, so. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that, that's cool. She, she's she's about the greatest female singer of all times. Yeah, my wife is a, a huge fan, so we've been to her concert and, yeah, big fan. But um, got, you know, one or two more questions I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. We're, you know, we're about up. But uh, I did want to touch on, on you know, kind of your family history and, what you're doing with, uh, with being a foster parent and just a, a dad in general. Cause I noticed you said that was a big part of your life, you know, maybe how you got into that or why you're so passionate about being a foster parent. Yeah. Well, so I've been a foster parent now for one kid and we're, we're within a month of adopting her and we, we've, it has been an incredibly difficult journey getting here, 
but we're we're here and i couldn't be happier i i've had this beautiful little this is the thing i i can't say much about my foster child because i signed a bunch of it's they say it's not my story to tell it's, it's the the child's um but uh, i it's you'll see photos we'll put photos of of, of her uh, online and we'll always have a little sticker over her face or or something like that because we're not allowed to show photos of her until she's legally in Aldi, which should be about this time next month. Um, and it, it was just, it was just an amazing thing that, that we got into. We were, we were trying to adopt a child from Africa and uh, we got about $20,000 deep into that. And then it didn't happen. And we, we weren't, yeah, I think the government shut it down or the little girl we were trying to adopt didn't, wasn't actually adoptable it, it, it was not quite a scam but we didn't get any of our money back uh, yeah but while we were doing that a little girl from down the street who was a foster family was being taken from her oh, i can't say a lot about stuff <laughs> she she was being moved and uh she she was kind of friends with with my my older little ones and uh she she the day she was she was leaving she said oh you should adopt me you can and it just broke our heart and says well we're this far into adoption why don't we switch focus to foster and maybe little little person from up the street can come closer into her home again and uh, so we got into foster and it was it was five or six months of classes and learning and this and that about the foster system and um, as soon as we got licensed to, to foster the first first uh little one to get dropped off was our little one and uh we we've had her for her whole life and we're 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 about less than a month away from her making her an official legal alvi that's great man yeah i uh i i totally get the gist of it and and the due process of adoption because it's really important and you know you don't want to just do that handoff to anybody who fills out an application but i i don't think you should have to pay twenty thousand dollars much less pay twenty thousand and then it not go through. I think that is discouraging for a lot of people. I feel like, you know, if it was um, as less of a financial burden, you know, we may have some more people adopting, but I guess, you know. Yeah, it, it was partially because we we're going through Ghana is mm -hmm. the country we're trying to do. And we got into it and then towards the end of it, the, the government of Ghana shut everything down. And there was like nothing we could do about it. Um, because it was the, the actual, I don't, I don't know, the king or president or parliament, whatever they have, they just shut it down. And so, well, damn. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't I, know, I didn't know that was a possibility. Yeah, I used to work with a woman uh, many, many years ago, and I remember she and her husband adopted a brother and sister from somewhere overseas, and uh, it took like two and a half years. I mean, it was a long, grueling process, so. Yeah, they, they, you know, when they had um, met this family, they were like six months old, and by the time they got them, they were like, you know, almost three or something. It was crazy, but it's a, it's a neat stuff, man. It's 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 a good thing you're doing, and uh, I'm I'm real fond of it. I think that's something I'd like to look into one day. So it, you should that that there are these kids, especially now with COVID and everything, and the, the system is being it's being forgotten about far more than it should be, and it's there are a lot of a lot of good kids that need that need a chance 
Yeah, I've always had a soft spot for that because I kind of grew up around it. My grandma uh, used to foster kids a lot, and so I would play with those kids, and, and I didn't know what the time – I just thought they were friends of ours. But, you know, as I got older, I understood. And then my mom is a social worker, so always kind of been, uh, you know, familiar with, with the things like that. So Yeah. But, yeah, man, that's great stuff. Um, you know, we about hit our time limit, and I, I got some good talk with you. I really appreciate it. Uh, you know, if, if you want to drop any any news or any of your websites or links for, for listeners to go to, you can, and we can wrap it up. Yeah, well, I've got two websites. There's smileandsam.com, and then there's smilemma.com. Uh, and if I, I've got some merchandise, some shirts and all that uh, y'all, y'all can look at. I've, I've even got now uh, masks with a big smile. <laughs> Uh, on it that, that you could look at uh, otherwise hit, hit me up on uh on my social media uh, instagram twitter tiktok i love tiktok uh, <laughs> i and i'm at smiling sam um on all those I, I love talking to people i respond to almost everyone i can't wait to tell my mom about your tiktok because she's obsessed with it so hopefully you'll I you'll get to her Oh, I got into it like May. I just got a report. It's like May 9th or May 6th or something. It, it's the greatest thing. It is the greatest app that's ever been. I, I love social media, but TikTok's just not one I've downloaded. But my mom sends me TikToks at least two or three times a well, week. So It's like crack. You will be glued to it. Every every time I stop somewhere, I go and I watch like three TikToks before I go. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Get the car. Oh, it's, it's just so addicting. Yeah, I'm definitely going to tell my mom to follow you. So, uh, well, hey, man, once again, I really, really appreciate having you on. It was a great chat. Um, you know, going to continue to keep up with you and, and look for a new fight announcement and, and, you know, just follow you and hope you uh, continue to be successful, man. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me on, sir. Yeah, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon and uh, have a good one, man. All right, you too. Have a great night. Have, have a happy new year. Thank you, sir. See you soon. All right, bye.